It is uh, certainly not a budget that I am happy to deliver. But it is a budget. Now on the news hour, skyrocketing property tax proposal in Surrey. The nearly double-digit pitched increase pinned on the city's policing fiasco. Plus, and as they were going down the road, he had a massive heart attack. So when they finally got him in there, they had to pronounce him dead. Cascading catastrophe for a man in dire need of health care. Why staffing shortages and delays are being blamed for a potentially preventable death just blocks from a hospital. And I lost the flora beneath my feet. It was it was devastating. A fresh start for a family devastated by fire. The resilience to rebuild after their business was destroyed by arson. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. We begin tonight with a surprise news conference from the mayor of Surrey on this Saturday of a long weekend over the city's draft budget for 2023. One that includes a substantial property tax increase, which the mayor is blaming on the ongoing policing fiasco in the city. Mayor Brenda Locke says a nearly double digit proposed tax increase is needed to fund the transition process from the municipal police force back to the RCMP. When asked why the announcement was made today. Locke cited the next council meeting dealing with the draft budget set for March 6th, saying she wanted to make the details public with as much notice as possible. That draft budget is predicated on retaining the RCMP as the force of jurisdiction in the city. As it stands, the city says its 2023 operating capital has a shortfall of more than $116 million, largely created by that polarizing policing transition. To pay for it, the city is proposing a general property tax increase of 9.5% this year. That is on top of a proposed 7% property tax hike to offset the cost of citywide operations. It is uh, certainly not a budget that I am happy to deliver, but it is a budget that we have to deliver. We have to make sure that in Surrey uh, we are rectifying the past, that we are um, rectifying what was a misguided police transition and that our finances are going to be taken care of. The 9.5% tax hike is all due to the transition. That is entirely due to the transition. It is because of the stalling of the transition. It is because of all of those issues uh, that have been happening over the last four years that have been cost overruns and, and just the stalling of getting here. In November, Surrey City Council voted 5-4 to four in favour of keeping the Mounties. The province will have the final say on whether that transition will be reversed. But there is no timeline for when that decision will be announced. Public Safety Minister and Solicitor General Mike Farnworth declined our request for comment this afternoon on today's announcement. The mayor of a West Kootenai village is speaking out tonight about a staffing blind spot in his community that he says may have meant the difference between life and death for a constituent and a close friend of his. Despite the fact Nakusp has had round-the-clock paramedic service for since late last year, help did not arrive in time for one man in need of urgent care last month. Kristen Robinson reports. The village of Nakusp and its 1,600 residents have had full-time, 24-7 paramedic service since last November. But when a man in his late 60s had a medical emergency at home last month, 
no ambulance was available. And the mayor, who was a close friend of the patient, says after calling for an ambulance, family and friends decided to transport him themselves. He did not survive. They waited for about 45 to 45 minutes to an hour and realized that uh, he was starting to go downhill fast and had to get him to the hospital themselves. And as they were going down the road, he had a massive heart attack. I think the ambulance service and government fell short on this one. BC Emergency Health Services says a call was received at 11.59 a.m. on January 29th to respond to a patient at a residence in Nacusp. The Nacusp ambulance was not staffed due to illness. It's bigger than that. There's two ambulances that should be staffed 24 hours a day in the cusp, and clearly they were not that day. BCEHS says the closest available ambulance in Castlegar was immediately dispatched to what was initially described as a non-lights and sirens call, and paramedics were en route to the patient when, 45 minutes later, the call was cancelled by the caller, indicating they were self-transporting to the hospital. After the initial call was cancelled, a second call, initially unknown to be related, came in from the hospital notifying BCEHS of an incident at the hospital. When they finally got him in there, they had to pronounce him dead. There's no one to blame. It, it's just the resources, and we are working together with BCHS. NACUSP has eight regular full-time and two irregular full-time paramedics, which Tom Zelznick says is about 50 to 60 percent of the staff needed to operate the 24-7 ambulance model. I think we've seen a lot of examples of that uh, system failing. Uh, people who live here pay the taxes, grow up here, work. Yeah, no, we see it failing consistently. They expect these services to be there when they need them. This isn't just in the cusp in rural areas. This is across Canada. BCEHS is working to recruit and hire more paramedics, and its bosses will be meeting with the mayors of Nacusp and New Denver again next month. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A group of First Nations is disappointed with Ottawa's decision to shut down salmon farms off B.C.'s coast. On Friday, the feds announced the licenses for 15 open-net Atlantic salmon farms near the Discovery Islands are not being renewed. But the two First Nations, whose traditional territories include those waters, say the decision was made without proper consultation. They had hoped to keep some of the farms open, calling them a critical piece of their marine management plans. The nations say the closures are disrespectful of their their sovereign authority. We know of 18 First Nations who have signed agreements with various aquaculture companies to look at how it can be done sustainably in their territories. And so it's unfortunate that it only seems to be a one-way one door right now. The federal fisheries minister says the closures are a highly precautionary approach to protect wild salmon. The area near Campbell River is a key migratory route for wild fish, and narrow passages bring juvenile salmon in close contact with the farms. Well, running a small business is no small feat at the best of times, and you're about to meet a family dealt with a devastating blow when their Abbotsford business literally went up in flames in a case of arson. It has taken them nearly six years of rebuilding to finally reopen their doors for a new venture in the Fraser Valley. Julia Foy has their story. It's a big day for a dad and a daughter who are opening a new Abbotsford business, the Five Corners Furniture and Mattress Store. I'm just excited that we're back, uh, back in business um, after our loss. The loss was a devastating fire that tore through the family's OK Tire store on South Fraser Way in June of 2017. 
The family had owned the business for a year and a half when an arsonist torched their premises and their hopes for the future. I lost all, I lost the floor off beneath my feet. It was, it was devastating. Fire and Abbotsford Police did investigations into the cause of the blaze. We have a, a witness that did the right thing. As soon as he saw the smoke and the flames, he phoned 911. Uh, his other observation, in fact, was of a possible person of interest. The APD later released this video showing a tall, thin man wearing dark pants and a hoodie, who they believe is a suspect. On Saturday, the APD told Global News that the case is still open and no one has been arrested in connection with the arson. It's going to be six weeks. Six. Now, after almost six long years of recovery and planning, the family has started a new chapter and their former OK Tire customers haven't forgotten them. They say, you know, we're happy to see you in business again. You know, after five years, six years, right? Lost our store and uh, so they're all very happy to see us. We just want to start fresh and move on uh, and we're thankful with the ability to be able to do that and the support of the community. We can coordinate everything with you. Customers say they want to support the Abbotsford family. We will recommend this place. We've had excellent service while we're here so I'm sure they'll do well. And you left with something. Yes we, we did. We left with yeah. a few somethings. <laughs> yeah I think they match better than these ones. Yes, the fire is now behind them and the family is looking forward to the future. Julia Foy, Global News. Victoria police are asking for your help in identifying two suspects in a recent assault. These two suspects were captured on surveillance footage in the 1200 block of Langley Street just after midnight last Sunday. Police were called for a report of a man being assaulted. When officers arrived, they learned two victims had been attacked by two individuals who fled the area. One of the victims was seriously injured but is expected to survive. If you recognize the suspects or have any information, call police. The federal government asked Canadians how they feel about decades-high inflation. And while some of the answers are startling, others, unfortunately, will likely come as no surprise. Data published this week by Stats Canada shows more than a third of Canadians found it hard to make ends meet over the past year, as the cost of everyday essentials has soared. Nearly half of respondents said they were worried about keeping a roof over their heads. Young adults, women and racialized groups say they have especially felt the impacts of inflation and one in four Canadians said they could not afford an unexpected expense of $500 right now. With that sobering data in mind, organizations like Family Services of Greater Vancouver say they're stepping up to help people in need. Ahead of Family Day, the nonprofit was on hand at New Westminster Public Library today to remind struggling families of their services, like free financial planning, as people feel the bite of inflation. The group points to rising rent and food prices as two essentials hitting people especially hard this year. And we've recently seen inflation taper down a bit to about 6.3%, but food prices have stayed stubbornly high at 11% increase. So uh, that's uh, essential, obviously, rent and food, and people can't escape them. So it's really hitting people hard. Yeah, I have to think about the prices going high. Uh, yeah, it does make, uh, it does play a role in decision-making, the increased prices. One way to help cope with inflation is the organization's Benefit Wayfinder, which is a tool that tells you if you are eligible for benefits you may not even know about. 
Well, police in nearly every community in B.C. are warning motorists about the increase in catalytic converter thefts. And in the South Okanagan, RCMP have issued an alert to be on the lookout for three possible suspects following recent thefts. Jaden Wozni reports. If your vehicle sounds like this when you start it, it's likely that your catalytic converter has been stolen. Police in Karameas warning residents about a spree of catalytic converter thefts. They're looking for three people that have been spotted on CCTV footage in a blue newer model BMW sedan. In Kelowna, one auto repair shop technician says he's seeing an alarming increased rate of vehicles that have had their catalytic converters stolen. We've done over 20 just since January 2023. Before sort of the last three or four months, we'd, I'd maybe done five or ten in my whole time here. And then all of a sudden it was, we were seeing five or six a week. Mitch Harper adding he's noticed a trend when it comes to the types of vehicles that thieves are targeting. Their go-to is usually mid-size SUVs, something a little bit higher off the ground where the catalytic converter is right under the vehicle. They can get under there without having to jack it up or anything, chop, chop, and it's gone. There are several scrap metal recycling shops in Kelowna that accept used catalytic converters and even advertise to pay cash on site, but none of them responded to our request for an interview in time for broadcast. RCMP are asking anyone who might have information about the string of thefts or who has seen the suspect car in the area to call the Karameas Detachment or Crime Stoppers. Jaden Wozni, Global News. Another serious incident on Highway 5 today has resulted in a fuel spill. A semi-truck went into the Thompson River around 2 o'clock this morning and a rupture occurred in the truck's tank. As much as 800 litres of fuel may have spilled out. Safety along the Yellowhead Highway has been top of mind following two fatal crashes one week apart earlier this month. Those collisions, both near Barrier, has led to meetings between the province and the mayors of both Barrier and Clearwater. Our report is from CFJC News. In the wake of the semi-truck accidents along Highway 5 near Barrier, the province is exploring measures to make traveling along the Yellowhead safer. The mayor of Barrier, Ward Stamer, and Transportation Minister Rob Fleming spoke about potential solutions. The mayor believes it will take a number of initiatives to solve the problem. All these things that we're talking about, or that we're talking about uh, mandatory dash cams, we're talking about electronic logs, uh, speed limiters, variable speed corridors, those are all tools in the toolbox. It's not just one thing. We're talking about revisiting some technology that may help the situation. There has been an idea uh, for whatever reasons. I know the previous government didn't act on it, but it was about variable speed limits. Um, we're certainly willing to have that conversation and I intend to meet with the mayors of Clearwater and Barrier about uh, that specifically. In the meantime, temporary solutions were discussed in the call. The mayor suggested temporarily reducing the speed to 90 on stretches of the highway. Police are already currently over-enforcing the area to keep drivers within the speed limit. Over the weekend, 72 tickets were issued. Mayor Stamer, however, only sees this as a temporary fix. By taking those resources away from other roads, that's going to probably increase the risk on those roads. Because, you know, next thing you know, they're traveling too fast on Highway 1, or they're traveling too fast on 5A, or, or Highway 3, or, or the Coquihalla, wherever they've taken those additional resources to do a blitz on our highway. 
Minister Fleming also believes that it is important to communicate with the trucking companies to make sure their drivers are aware of road conditions and the increased risk during the winter months in order to curb irresponsible driving. There's been a number of um, violations that have been issued by CVSE, the Commercial Vehicle Safety Enforcement Officers in our ministry, as well as the RCMP. Um, over 100 of them were for speeding. The minister states he will be looking into these suggestions and is actively planning a package of improvements along the Yellowhead. Noah Rashog, CFJC News. Next on the News Hour, a not only cruel but criminal act. Whoever is using poisoning as a method of killing or managing animals in Richmond, uh, we're asking them to stop. More than half a dozen skunks killed by poison in Richmond. Why wildlife protection groups saying all animals are at risk. Plus, I feel like it's a step forward, breaking us, break the barrier and start a new journey. Some of the province's most talented young athletes hit the pitch. Why these tryouts mark a major first. That's coming up later in the show. Stay with us. Welcome back to a number of disturbing incidents of animal cruelty in Richmond now, where more than half a dozen skunks have been fatally poisoned in recent weeks. As Paul Johnson reports, the city and wildlife advocates are working to determine if the animals are being deliberately targeted. Well, most encounters with our region's skunks are entirely harmless. Chances are they're memorable. And if you've ever been around them, you'll be interested in this. In my 12 years of experience working at the Fur Bears, I've never seen anything like this. Within the last few days, people started finding sick and distressed skunks in several places in the south central Richmond area. The animals were suffering seizures and foaming at the mouth. They were taken to the Critter Care Wildlife Rehab Center in Langley, which has experience taking care of skunks. But the animals were all too sick. Some died quickly and the others had to be euthanized. There were seven of them in total. Our message is that whoever is using poisoning as a method of killing or managing animals in Richmond, uh, we're asking them to stop. Poison is extremely inhumane. Animal rights advocate Leslie Fox believes the skunks were poisoned, either by someone targeting them directly or by the skunks getting into poison intended for another animal. The city of Richmond told Global News they weren't able to confirm how the skunks died and were awaiting toxicology reports. But they also said the city discourages its citizens from using poison for animal control. And the practice is actually banned on city property because of the known environmental effects. Fox elaborated on some of those. What happens is those animals, the sick animals, go out into the ecosystem and then are consumed by other animals, including owls, birds of prey, skunks can eat those animals, coyotes, even people's domestic cats or dogs. If the Richmond skunks were intentionally poisoned, Fox says that's illegal in B.C. And any homeowner anxious about a critter problem should call in a professional pest control specialist. In Richmond, Paul Johnson, Global News. Coming up, the very real risks in the backcountry this long weekend. The warning to outdoor enthusiasts across the province as a deadly avalanche season claims more lives. Plus, former U.S. President Jimmy Carter enters hospice care. The message from his family. That's after the break. 
Biden avalanche risks across the province are highlighting just how important it is to be prepared when heading out into the backcountry and to stay in bounds when out on the hill. Victoria Famia reports. What do you what do you know about avalanches? Scary. They're not good. <laughs> For many, this long weekend means a few days off to enjoy outdoor winter activities. But it's also a weekend filled with avalanche advisories. In BC's interior, the message at local ski hills is clear. Stay inbounds. Our safety message for anybody skiing inbounds here at Big White is just basically to, to follow the, res, the Alpine Responsibility Code. So stay within your means, make sure you're uh, slow on green zones. As of Friday, this season's avalanche-related death toll has increased to nine, higher than the 10-year average of seven deaths per season. And much of the risk comes from the weak snowpack. We had this cold air that came out uh, around December and rotted the bottom of the snowpack. So now we have even more load on top of this weak layer. You know, it's like trying to build a skyscraper in a sand pit. And if you just hit the wrong spot, the whole world's going to come down on you. Signs are placed all around the hills, informing visitors which areas are out of bounds and potentially dangerous. This year, we have thrown over 500 kilograms of explosives, making sure our inbounds is safe. So when you see those boundary signs, we are in effect guaranteeing you that you will not have any exposure to avalanches. And we mark all our avalanche terrain so you know that that has been controlled. According to Ski Patrol, the hills are checked daily all throughout the day, and certain areas can either be left open or closed off if conditions are suddenly deemed unsafe. But crews at Big White are also not responsible for locating someone who's gone out of bounds. We're not uh, covered by insurance to go rescue you. So even if you're just like 200 yards out of bounds, that's a search and rescue call. And the wait for a search and rescue could be hours, especially if you're cold and injured. So if you decide that you're experienced enough to go beyond the boundaries, search and rescue teams say do what you can to stay safe. The training, super important. Filing a trip plan so people know where to go if you're not back at a specific time. Um, the 10 essentials, which if you add winter travel, there's you know probably 15 essentials now. Um, and check the avalanche forecast before you go out. Victoria Famia, Global News, Kelowna. Former U.S. President Jimmy Carter has entered hospice care. The Carter Center has issued a statement saying the 98-year-old has decided to receive home hospice care and is choosing to spend his remaining time with his family instead of undergoing additional medical intervention. Carter, the country's oldest living former leader, has suffered from recent health issues, including recent fights with melanoma. In health matters, if you feel more tired during the winter months, it's likely you actually do need some extra shut-eye when it's colder and darker. Scientists in Germany studying sleep patterns found most people really do need more time for rest during the winter. Total sleep time was about an hour longer than in the spring and summer, but more importantly, that deep sleep, REM sleep, which is crucial for learning and memory, was 30 minutes longer. So researchers say going to bed earlier could be helpful to those feeling sluggish. After the break, Yvonne and Barry join us, plus Robotics Roundup. It's fun. I guess it's nice to get out here and kind of test all the robots and see what everyone else has come up with, because some teams have really crazy ideas for these things. The incredible inventions brought to life by local students, the showcase and the payoff of months of hard work. That's after the break. Stay with us. You're watching Global BC.
Welcome back. Well, after a pandemic pause, the annual VEX Robotics Competition is back at BCIT's Burnaby campus this weekend. 100 high school teams from across the province are competing in the intense one-day tournament. Science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, or STEM skills, are brought to life as students design and build robots to compete against other teams in a game-based engineering challenge. The custom-built robots face a round-robin competition where teams launch foam discs into a disc golf-style goal, finishing the match by expanding to cover as much space as possible. It's very fun. Yeah. Very enjoyable. It's a competitive game, and uh, sometimes the look of the bot does not uh, match up to how well it performs. You know. Um, but we've definitely, like, we've been working on it all year, and we've improved it as much as we can. I guess it's nice to get out here and kind of test all the robots and see what everyone else has come up with. Because some teams have really crazy ideas for these things. It's really neat to see what people come up with here. Yeah. These teams have been practicing and building and programming all year long. And now they're trying to get to the provincial championships. And this is their last chance to do it. A panel of judges, including BCIT instructors and the Pacific Youth Robotics Society, will crown the winning teams, who will then qualify for the BC Mainland Championship. Very cool. And Yvonne Shell is here with a look at our weather, Yvonne. Uh, thanks so much, Sarah, and good evening, everyone. Uh, we had a few dry spots out there through the day today. Different weather picture for the latter half. If you've got plans for family day, I'll have more on that. And if you're traveling along, along the mountain passes, we do have some snowfall that we'll be tracking. We're currently sitting at 6 degrees. We've got that cloud cover in the mix. We will see the chance for a few isolated showers, but then the precipitation is really going to pick up and intensify overnight and in towards our Sunday. And it's all courtesy of this weather maker. We'll actually be tracking a number of systems over the next few days but the bulk of the rain will be along coastal areas and we'll see that along metro vancouver and the south coast so a soggy one with periods of rain for sunday it'll be on and off we'll continue to see another wave of rain on monday for family day also with windy conditions and then tuesday showers and then by wednesday thursday it starts to dry out big weather story as we get in towards next week temperatures are going to drop off more coming up in just a moment if you're traveling along the mountain passes keep this in mind especially through the day tomorrow the coquihalla five and up to 10 centimeters through the day and then an additional 5 and 10 by the evening so we could see that range between 10 and up to 20 centimeters. Rogers Pass between 10 and 15 and along the Kootenai Pass between 5 and 10 centimeters. Wet and windy along the north coast inland. A few areas could see some instability. Area of concern maybe Quinell. We could even see the risk of freezing rain and into the southeastern corners and much of the southern interior we'll be looking at a few flurries for the morning hours changing over to chance of showers. The snow level is going to rise as we get in through the afternoon above a thousand meters so most areas will see that transition along the south coast we are going to see a wet and windy day it'll pick up especially for our monday and areas along the lower mainland will see the range in temperatures between six and up to seven average average for this time of the year sits at eight degrees so periods of rain for sunday wet and windy so far on monday for family day back to work in school it looks to be showers and then drying out but as we get in towards next week we'll see that drop off in temperatures even Thursday night, we're dipping down to minus six. Sarah? All right, Yvonne, thank you. Well, Surrey has a new fast food joint that's more popular than most, and dedicated fans brave the cold and dark to be the first to get a taste ahead of its opening this morning. Jollibee on King George Boulevard's very first customer in line says he arrived at six o'clock last night. 
to camp out for his favorite Filipino fried chicken. Others in line say it's the nostalgia that brought them out. This is Jollibee's third location in B.C., known for serving up chicken, spaghetti, and peach mango pies. Jollibee is like a signature for us. It's our culture. Whenever we go to Jollibee, it's like we go there as a family. It's, it's, it's a family thing. What do you like the most? The chicken. Okay, that right. looks very good. There was one in Vancouver that similarly had massive lineups. So <laughs> I've not heard, heard of them, but obviously they're mm -hmm. worth waiting for. Yeah, fried Clearly. chicken at 6 a.m. for <laughs> breakfast. Mm -mm. Sounds delicious. Okay, so Canucks playing tonight. Yeah, they are. Mm -hmm. a, a little bit of uh, bad injury news concerning uh, Oliver ekman Larson. so we'll fill you in on that. Jay Janar has been uh, braving the cold up in Burns Lake for the uh, BCHL Roadshow, so we'll have a story from him. And I just saw another great Connor Bedard goal that we're going to try to All get right. into. So that's oh, like every good. weekend, I know. <laughs> kids, uh, the kid is so predictable. You know, he just scores Seriously. great goals. Anyway. Okay, looking forward to that. Thanks both. We'll see you both soon. Coming up, a warning for parents everywhere. We will never, ever get rid of all the creeps that are out there. They will pop up almost every week. The hard and fast rules from experts to keep kids safe as another online predator is convicted on horrific charges. That's after the break. Stay with us. An online safety educator is stressing the crucial role that parents play in keeping their children safe online. The warning is applicable all over the country these days, but this one comes after an Alberta man pleaded guilty this week to sex crimes involving nearly 100 underage victims. Sarah Comedina reports. Paul Davis has spent the last decade educating Just students and parents about online safety. When I read this particular case, the one thing that really did stick out were the number of victims. That truly was shocking. Davis is hoping to raise more awareness, especially in light of Thursday's 18-year sentence given to a 38-year-old man who pleaded guilty to child luring, extortion, and possession of child pornography. There were 92 victims, ranging in age from 9 to 17. The man can't be named because there is a publication ban to protect the identity of his stepdaughter, who was one of his victims. During trial, court heard the offender would threaten to physically harm victims and their families if they didn't do what he wanted. We do not have enough policing to stop this. Davis says this needs to be a wake-up call to parents everywhere to have conversations with their kids about what they are doing online. It's so important that parents get involved. We don't need government intervention, government legislation. We need more parental involvement. We need to learn to say the word no without feeling guilt. Davis has four rules to follow. No smartphones until the middle of grade eight. No social media until 13. Discourage making friends online who are strangers. And perhaps the biggest rule, no internet in the child's bedroom. We will never ever get rid of all the creeps that are out there. They will pop up almost every week. But we can prevent them from victimizing more children if parents got involved. Davis acknowledges saying no to your children might sometimes be hard, but it's important to be clear with your reasons. He says it will be worth the fight. Sarah Comedina, Global News. After the break, we head to Burns Lake during sports with Barry. Plus, he really likes rock and roll. He loves rock and roll. The pint-sized punk rocker who just booked a big gig. That's coming up. Stay with us.
and the BC Place for Sevens Rugby. The HSBC Canada Sevens Tournament returns for three days of high-intensity Sevens Rugby, featuring 28 of the world's top teams on the field and the ultimate costume party in the stands. Info at CanadaSevens.com. One in three Canadian children are at risk of going to school hungry. That's why Global News and the Grocery Foundation are partnering for hashtag Toonies for Tummies, benefiting student nutrition programs for kids in our community. For Our BC, I'm Michael Newman. Our BC is brought to you by London Drugs. CKNW Kids Fund Pink Shirt Day is on February 22nd. Get your pink shirt merchandise now at London Drugs. Some of the province's most promising young athletes are getting a chance this weekend to show off their soccer skills and hopefully get signed by a local team. The inaugural Natsuma FC tryouts were held at BC Place. The tryouts are a first of their kind when it comes to welcoming Indigenous players from across Western Canada to try to get shortlisted for the semi-pro League One BC team. League One bridges the gap between elite, amateur and pro levels. We are partnered with UBC men's yeah. and women's teams, oh, okay. so we uh, we just took over the varsity teams that were playing in BC League One BC last year, and we've taken them over now. And but our mission is to bring Indigenous players into that fold. I don't really know too many athletes from Six Seca that made it too far, so it's a very big opportunity for me, and very proud. I feel like it's a step forward, breaking us break the barrier and start a new journey and start representing communities other than just, you know, countries, you know. I feel like we deserve a chance, and this is a great opportunity. It would be a dream come true, to be honest, um, from a young age. Being a pro or semi-pro soccer player has always been a big dream of mine, and it would just mean the world to really make that happen, put it in perspective. Very cool. So that's BC Place. Yeah. Rogers Arena also is going to be yeah. bumping tonight. I was say, pretty fun to kick it where the Whitecaps play. No you're kidding. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah, some Whitecaps coming up, but we will start with the, the Canucks. Thanks, Sarah. It's Canucks and Flyers tonight, 7 o'clock, right next door there at Rogers Arena. Today we found out Oliver ekman Larson will be out week to week with an ankle injury, and Travis Dermott has also been placed on the injured reserve list. Dermott has only played 11 games this year and has had concussion issues, although the Canucks haven't specified his injury. Canucks called up Christian Wolanin from AHL Abbotsford. He has ripped it up down there. 55 points, leads all defensemen, and he's fifth overall in league scoring amongst all players. Thatcher Demko did not skate today, won't dress as the backup. He's been out nearly 11 weeks with a groin injury, and the Canucks are just being cautious on his return. Just We, we kind of worked him pretty good, and I think it's just good to give him another day, so he's fine. Groins are tough. In the end, yeah, I mean, I mean, who knows how? I mean, let's see, ten weeks now. You know, so it's one of those where he he uh, he's had some really good practices. It's just like anything; you want to give a guy some uh, give him a day off here. Like you said, getting a little bit of opportunity is always nice, but uh, it's what you do with the opportunity. And I think it'll take obviously a couple shifts to to be readjusted to this level of play. Um, but I'm confident in my abilities. I think uh, I was down there for for long enough and got confidence in my game again and got repetition and. Uh, like I said, just a couple shifts, one shift at a time, as cliche as that, uh, as that sounds. And uh, for the power play, just try and do what I've been doing down there. The BCHL Roadshow is in Burns Lake this year, one year late because of COVID, but it's been a great weekend so far. And tonight, the fans get to see some great hockey featuring Prince George and Salmon Arm. Jay Janauer has the head coaches rinkside. It is going to be a packed barn here in Burns Lake as the BC Hockey League's Roadshow officially drops the puck tonight. The Prince George Spruce Kings taking on the Salmon Arm Silverbacks. Alex, even your team played in Kitimat three years ago. You're here again tonight. 
it's a pretty cool experience. Yeah, it, it's awesome. It's an honor for for us to be a part of these games that's in the north. Um, I think it's great to see the community come together to support two hockey teams and hopefully what we've done here the last couple of days has been a positive uh, experience for everybody. Chris Hebb has mentioned at every function that we've been to the fact that the fans here in Burns Lake are going to see the best that the BC Hockey League has to offer because Tyler, when I look at the standings, pretty much identical records. Spruce Kings have one more win for you. This is a big game for both clubs. Yeah, it's going to be connect drawed it up any better I guess you could say for for Burns Lake and what they're going to get to see I think two teams that play similar brands of hockey so um, I think it's going to be obviously a good show for them and means a lot to both teams and I also like the fact that both kids both teams from the uh, both kids from the teams really enjoy what's going on here in the community I have to ask you guys those coaches this rink capacity is 600 it is a small smart barn and when I say barn I mean small is it going to factor in tonight? Because first off, I think you can only fit like seven guys sitting on the bench, so line change is going to be difficult. But how do you see this ice surface affecting the game tonight? It's definitely uh, an old school rink. It'll uh, present some challenges for sure, whether that's uh, just the overall size. Uh, there's probably going to be some weird bounces, and um, who's going to handle some of that is going to maybe come out on top. All right, last word with you, Tyler. Uh, the kids come up from Salmon Army. You got a lot of kids also from uh, from the states experiencing Burns Lake. Yeah, I think it's been an eye-opening experience for some guys. Obviously, we had the traditional dinner last night, which was which was awesome, but definitely an experience that I don't think any of those guys are going to forget. So, just being up here and getting the opportunity to play in front of obviously the Lake Babine Nation and everybody up here, I think, is obviously a cool experience for them, but stuff that our players are going to remember forever. Gentlemen, I wish both your teams the best of luck tonight. Puck drops at 7 o'clock. It is completely sold out. A few tickets left for tomorrow's game that goes at noon. And, of course, we'll have highlights on tonight's News Hour Final. All right, thanks, fellas. Speaking of uh, great juniors, how about Connor Bedard? This is shorthanded between the legs around the D-man and then cashes in the rebound. That just went across the line. He got his 50th goal and 100 point in game 40 last night. Goal and an assist against the very uh, highly ranked Winnipeg uh, Ice tonight. 3-2 is the score right now in the third. And Connor just continues to supply us highlights. We appreciate it. The Whitecaps open their regular season a week from tonight at BC Place against Real Salt Lake. Today, they wrapped up training camp in Palm Springs with a tidy 2-0 win over Minnesota. The Caps have attacked this preseason much differently than last year after getting off to a horrible 1-6-1 start. So they feel they are much more ready to start the season in full stride after an intense camp. Today against Minnesota, Caps get on the board in the 71st. Julian Gressel with the perfect volley to the back of the net. That's a nice play by Gressel. Will play his first full season in Vancouver this year. And then in the 88th, Ryan Gall, two quick touches and then blasts home the left footer. Caps win 2-0, three wins and three draws in their six preseason matches in Palm Springs. We're progressing every day. We're playing better every game that we've done. So, yeah, you know, and uh, uh, approaching to the first game of the season, with a very good performance and a victory is going to be, I think it's going to give us a little bit boost of uh, confidence. 
NHL today, Bowen Byram all smiles for the Avalanche. Happy to be back in the lineup. He missed about three months with an injury that the Avs really weren't talking about a whole lot, but he is so dynamic. Joins the rush and then rips it past Jordan Binnington, 2 nothing Colorado, and then in the third, Byram will load up the one-timer and blow it past Binnington again. Avalanche win 4-1. Byram's played just 16 games this year, but his return will help get the Avalanche back into their Stanley Cup form. They win it 4-1. Meanwhile, newest Toronto Maple Leaf, Ryan O'Reilly in the lineup tonight versus Montreal. O'Reilly acquired from the Blues in a trade last night. He's an Ontario kid, so likely a big thrill for him to be a Leaf. Second period, Austin Matthews sets up Michael Bunting on the power play. Ties it up 1-1, now 2-1, and Ryan O'Reilly will get his first Leaf point. Beautiful pass here will set up Michael Bunting's second of the game. That made it 3-1 Toronto, and the Leafs have just gone final. They beat the Habs 5-1. Third round from the Genesis Invitational from Riviera in Los Angeles. Tiger Woods barely made the cut, but he was uh, playing very well on moving day. His 10th hole of the day is the uh, short par 5 first. After bombing his drive, Tiger from 190 out. How about that shot on very firm greens to just three feet away? Made that for Eagle. Four under for the day at that point. Minus three for the tournament. Things are getting loud at Riviera. Tiger tied for the third best round of the day here at the sixth. Rolls in another birdie. Four under 67. He's tied 26th. Playing in his first full field PGA Tour event that's not a major since 2020. So positive stuff for Tiger. Meanwhile, Surrey's Adam Svensson playing well this week. Makes the birdie putt here. Svensson is tied 6th at 7 under. He'll play in the second to last group tomorrow. Nick Taylor tied 55th at even. Adam Hadwin had a bit of a rough day. He is 4th last at plus 2. But John Rahm, who's already won twice this year, just continues to play stellar golf, leading by two playing the 18th. Ron getting a little separation from his playing partners, knocks down the 24-footer for birdie at the 18th. He's at 15 under. He's got a three-shot lead on Max Homa. Scotty's curling from Kamloops, B.C., represented by the Clancy Grandy Rink. She's originally from Ontario, but is making Vancouver her home now, taking on the three-time champs Carrie Anderson and Team Canada. First end, Grandy, though, Nice draw weight to score a point, but uh, Canada came back with four in the second, so it's 4-1 right now in the third. And at the World Alpine Skiing Championships in France, Canadian skier Laurence Saint-Germain shocked the world by beating the heavily favored American Michaela Schifrin in the women's slalom. Schifrin ended up winning the silver, but a beautiful second run by Saint-Germain, won it by 57 one-hundredths of a second. First gold for Canada in this event since 1960, and its fourth medal overall and second gold at these worlds, which is a new record for Canada. So the Canadian Alpine men's and women's team, after I want to say a couple of decades of kind of dry, uh, they are getting pretty good and no uh, they're starting to win some medals. So it's exciting to see. Very cool. Looks like a beautiful day there mm -hmm. as well. Coming up, the big gig booked by a seven-year-old rocker. Stay with us. Welcome back. Okay, whether you're an up-and-coming or established rock band, every gig is important. But for a Fredericton-based groove, headlining a seven-year-old's birthday party will likely be their highlight performance of the year. Two-piece Fredericton rock band Too Bad Jim are setting up for a very special gig. They're gearing up for a private birthday party for a special little rocker, seven-year-old Turner Brandt. He really likes rock and roll. He loves rock and roll, especially really hard rock. 
That love of rock and roll led to him taking drum lessons from local musician Ryan Berry. He was enthralled with Too Bad Jim's sound when he saw them play an all-ages show this summer. We walked out of the venue and Turner said, Mummy, that, this was the best day of my life. And do you, do you think that they'll play at my birthday party? Turner may be a little camera shy, but he lights up when he plays the drums, especially with Barry, who is equal parts teacher and friend. When I'm going over to teach him drums, it just feels like we're just hanging out. Barry is a veteran of Fredericton's local music scene. To see him get so pumped up, like he came to our show in the summer. And yeah, it's just, I remember that feeling and it's cool to be able to be the one providing that. While a kid's birthday party is a first, it's definitely a roaring success. Suzanne Napointe, Global News, Fredericton. Great yeah, I can see job. that smile even under his yeah, mask. I like that they had the, uh, <laughs> a couple of them had the earphones on or the earmuffs so they wouldn't be too loud. Yeah. So nice. cute. Looking forward to a follow-up on that. Um, quick weather before we go tonight. All right, we are looking at a soggy one for both our Sunday and into our family day on Monday. It'll be on and off rain, but it'll be uh, heavy at times, so keep that in mind. And then as we get in towards Monday, we're actually looking at windy conditions. In the long range, though, wanted to point out as well, it's going to be cooler into next week. Okay, sounds good. That's all for us this evening. Thanks for being with us. We'll see you right back here at 11 o'clock tonight. See you then.